My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series contains interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts regardless of age, status, or industry. We aim to contribute to the evolving global dialogue surrounding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to check out our subsequent series that dive deep into specific areas such as vegan life, fasting, and roundtable topics. They can be found via our website, patriciacathleen.com, where you can also join our newsletter. You can also subscribe to all of our series on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Beth Neumer Levine. She is the founder and principal at Smart Mouth Communications. You can find out more online at www.smartmouthcommunications.com. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, Patricia. It's good Ab- to be here. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to kind of climb through what you've done. Um, I just discovered that both of us have had a a tenure in Salt Lake City, Utah, so I'm excited to get into that. For everyone listening, I will read a bio on Beth, but before doing that, a quick trajectory of today's podcast, um, the roadmap, if you will. It's going to follow the same as all those in this series. Namely, we will look at unpacking Beth's academic background and early professional life before turning our efforts towards unpacking smart mouth communications and other current endeavors that Beth has going on. Um, She's got an iOS and an Android app I'd like to look at, as well as a suite of communications and presentation skill um, courses offered. And then we'll turn our efforts towards looking at goals that Beth may have for the next one to three years regarding her companies and work endeavors. And we'll wrap everything up with advice that Beth has for those of you who are either looking to get involved in what she's doing or perhaps emulate some of her career's success. A quick bio on Beth before I start peppering her with questions. Coaching people to use their brains before their mouths is the sole focus of Beth Neumer Levine's work at Smart Mouth Communications. After more than a decade in in PR, IR, and corporate communications in New York and Atlanta, Beth established Smart Mouth in Salt Lake City in 2005 to offer speaker coaching, presentation skills training, media readiness training, and related services. Beth is the author of the award-winning book, Jock Talk, Five Communication Principles for Leaders as Exemplified by Legends of the Sports World. She is also the creator of the iOS app, as well as the now Android app, Smart Mouth, communi- uh, Smart Mouth Public Speaking Toolkit, and a suite of communication and presentation skills courses offered online through opensesame.com and go1.com. Beth has lectured and taught at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth and the University of Utah and New York University. In 2015, Beth was one of Utah Business Magazine's 30 Women to Watch. She has been featured in Forbes, Harvard Business Review, the BBC, the Wall Street Journal, and is a regular contributor to Forbes.com. So Beth, that's fantastic. I know you join um, a huge uh, legendary list of people we've actually spoken to that contributes regularly to um, Forbes.com. And I love that. I love everything that you're doing right now too. But before we get into unpacking some of that, I'm wondering if you can draw us just a quick platform of what your um, academic life and early professional life that brought you to Smart Mouth Communications was like. Okay. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah. 
so I actually have a degree in economics uh, with a minor in German. Uh, and I got that at Franklin Marshall College in Pennsylvania and went to work in New York right after college. And uh, little known story is that my very first colleague in New York was a guy named Barack Obama. And we shared an office and a, a Wang computer terminal and a telephone. The Wang computer terminal actually dates us yeah. <laughs> quite a bit because uh, they they owned the market and then just whew, faded out quickly. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I thought I wanted to be a writer and editor, and that's what Barack and I uh, were doing. We were working for a company called Business International that was a research publishing and consulting firm for multinational corporations. Uh, it, you know, it's a, a sort of something I don't share often, but it's sort of a fun little tidbit. And it allowed me to have a real life lesson for my kids when I was raising them to say, you really need to be nice to everyone because you never know who's going to be the leader of the free world. Right. So, um, and then I, uh, eventually worked my way in New York to different communications roles on Wall Street. So I did public relations for financial institutions and I did investor relations also for financial institutions and other publicly traded companies. And it was during those years when I was very young and preparing investment bankers their corporate clients and uh, people who were very smart and successful for interviews with the media, uh, presentations in front of investors. And I remember feeling like it was second nature to me, but it seemed to be so appreciated by them and they couldn't figure out, find their way through a paper bag to a clear and concise message. And I remember making a note to self that this by itself could be a business someday. So that's sort of the uh, germ of where the idea for Smart Muff came from. It was yeah. those days on Wall Street, which were very exciting days because it was the 80s and there were deals galore and uh, initial public offerings and hostile takeovers and all kinds of mergers and acquisitions and things going on. It was quite, quite a time. Yeah. A very changing time. A lot of um, lawsuits coming up, a lot of interesting things happening, particularly on wall street. I'm interested in this idea of like refining one's message, because I do think that that started to take off particularly um, as people started to re-understand the idea of branding, which is a term I don't feel like was really heavily discussed outside of like the you know Madison Avenue moment um, in, in the mainstream until about the early 90s and then not even heavily until the early aughts. It sounds like you were there as this concept of branding and um, you know refining one's message and, and kind of really honing in on the clarity and that reaching into branding was right when you were there. Do you feel like you were on the beginning of understanding what is now perceived as branding, even as personal branding or things like that, as you were doing these kinds of um, techniques and, and systems of helping people train their media professionals? 
That's such an interesting question. And uh, we could go into a very deep dive. One of the interesting things that I want to share is that when I first started SmartMouth 15 years ago, and I would train either professional athletes or uh, Olympians, it was always media training and it was geared toward training them to speak to the traditional media, report, television reporters, newspaper reporters. In the last, I'm gonna say, it's been at least six years or more since I've done that with athletes. I work with a lot of Olympic athletes. I, I have a ton of corporate clients also, but with the athletes in particular who are you know, young and ambitious, I've turned that traditional media training session into a personal branding session because they are responsible for most of their own media coverage through social media. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of come to the 2010s plus to answer your question uh, that yes, very much so it's a branding thing. If I were to look back at the messaging we did in the 80s and the early 90s, I would say that, you know, it's funny, branding was a term on Madison Avenue at the time. And uh, the, the political arena version of that was spin. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a press secretary for Bill Clinton. And he called spin a self-interested selection of facts. <laughs> and so to that extent, we were engaging in spin on Wall Street for sure. And then, yes, I think all of that morphed into branding. And for a very long time, I've been telling clients, these messages that we're creating for you, these are your verbal, this is your verbal branding. So the simple answer to your question is yes, but it's been a morphing and an evolution over time. And to the point where I don't bother with media training anymore. I just work on personal branding with one-on-one -on -one clients. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's was trained into the industry. I'm not sure the industry had a, had a say in that, you know, the advent of social media Exactly. It just trumped every part of it doesn't matter what, you know, damage control campaign you were putting out there. So exactly. something we all engaged in. Um, I'm wondering, so you you launched in 2005, you kind of mentioned the beginning of smart mouth communications. I'm wondering if you can walk us through some of the nuts and bolts um, of the beginning times. Were you the sole founder? Did you take investment? Did you bootstrap? How was the first year of growth? I know that the the platforms that you changed on, as you just described, took on this like life cycle and change. But um, in the beginning times, what were the logistics like? Uh, so the beginning of Smart Mouth was what I thought was just my latest harebrained idea in a long string of harebrained ideas. Yeah. I was, it was 2005. I had moved from the East Coast where I had established myself personally and career-wise for my entire life. Uh, I had moved from Atlanta to Salt Lake City in 1998. So 2005 was seven-ish years later. 
And I had been at, at home with my children for about, I'm going to say 10 years, give or take a year or so. So smart mouth was actually my career re-entry strategy <laughs> from motherhood. And it was, and I was doing it in a city where I had no network, no relationships professionally, no relationships from school or college or anything. I knew some parents through Little League <laughs> and preschool classes and things like that. So in that regard, it was incredibly challenging. Um, and I, you know, have never forgotten that there were a couple of dads that I knew through Little League and basketball for my son, who was my oldest, who heard that I had started this business and gave me a shot. And one of them was the president of the Utah Jazz, mm -hmm. the NBA team at the time. And I, you know, we've often talked, I've often said to him, I don't know why or how you gave me a chance. I was just a mom in the stands with little kids running around. And, uh, and another guy was in advertising and had a lot of clients. Um, and they were two of my earliest clients. So it was, pardon me? A big fish for a first client. Yes. Well, my actually, my very first big client was the uh, U.S. ski team. Nice. And right when I started the Smart Mouth, I saw that they had put out an RFP for somebody to do media training for the athletes. And, but I don't think these other guys knew that I had done that. But I um, was competing I was invited to make a presentation to the executive committee and the board uh, to get this bid. And I was competing with a worldwide public relations firm mm -hmm. and a woman in North Carolina who had decades of media training experience with athletes alone. And I knew that I couldn't bring in a PowerPoint that showed anything because I had nothing. So what I did instead to pitch uh, the business and myself to the executive committee and board was I decided to go in there and give them the training that I would give to the athletes. So I sold myself by offering them the experience that they would be buying and I got the business. Yeah. So they were actually my first big client. That's excellent. It's it's a clever take on it as well, you know, kind of shaking I, things up like that. I remember um, in my youth prior to photography and film working um, for a billion dollar architectural firm in San Francisco and going into pitches that, you know, for basic cityscaping, essentially these uh -huh. trillion dollar projects. And, um, and my boss would say, flip off or flip on the lights because everyone was running these PowerPoints. At the right. Time. Exactly. And he would say, turn on the lights and I would turn on the lights. And it was just this, this kind of, you know, you, um, 
this kind of look at me moment and it shocked everyone out. But I, I tell you, it worked so many times. It's ridiculous to yeah. the tunes of billions of dollars. And so I like those kind of like, you know, um, quick attention getting devices um, th that kind of flip people into thinking like that's clever and the consideration that it does, it takes a lot of uniqueness, you know. At well, the at, at the time it was sort of more out of desperation, but it turned out to be a stroke of genius. And I continued to do it after that because it, they were just floored, right? That the lights were on and they were being asked to do things. Yeah. And um, so I have used it since and it, yeah. So it turned out to be, you know, one of those necessity is the mother of invention type of moments. Absolutely. That and bravery. Um, I'm wondering when you so you started out you've had this growth with how you advise your clients it's turned to shift mainly into this personal branding which takes place largely on social media as it does the world over i think for a lot of that majority of clients anyway um people in different industries i'm wondering the ethos of the company did that change the philosophy behind it i'm always interested in people in communications companies because the advent of the social media platform and things like that did not really, no one really saw it coming, certainly not the utility and the impact that it would happen so quickly within the five years from the aughts to 2005 to 2010. Right. But um, I'm wondering if your company and the ethos behind it changed or did you have a really, you fine tune, that's what you do for your clients, right? You, you funnel out and, and siphon out these very tinctured moments of brand and things like that you yourself for smart mouth communications did you have a very crystallized brand and did that have to change with the change of your platform so uh i would say that if this is an interesting question because i've reflected on it especially lately when uh i think i for my business and most people for their businesses are considering pivoting right mm -hmm. because we've got such a uh an unusual set of circumstances in front of us i would say that for the first five years of smart mouth i was probably 70 doing 70 percent media training and then that morphed into personal branding and 30 percent presentation skills training or public speaking coaching and the coaching is usually done one-on-one -on -one, and the presentation skills training is usually done in groups. And after the first five years, and I think this does coincide with exactly what you were saying about the uh, onset of social media and how it literally swooped in and took over, there were far fewer requests for media training, far, fewer at, or, or personal branding and way more requests for please help our people be concise please help them stay on point please help them uh know what a method how to use it and so the evolution became that the presentation skills training i was doing became about 70% of the business and mm -hmm. media training became more 30%. With and, branding still sandwiched in the middle. Well, branding is always part of it because even when a client, an individual client, and I coach on the C-suite level, 
And then presentation skills training for the groups is done at a usually a medium to high level within the company. But they'll come to me with what they think are their messaging platforms or, or a series of messages. And I do challenge that, you know, yeah. that as, a, as just an anecdote to digress for a second, when I have worked with a nonprofit executive who says one of their messages is we make a difference, I literally go berserk on them. If you have a nonprofit and that's the best you can say and the best you can do, which is the most trite commonly, mm -hmm. and I would say overused statement, if they don't have something better to describe their work and the difference their work makes, then, you know, we've got to, we've, we've really got to dig in. Right. And do better. But so I do, I poke and prod a lot. I don't let people get away with um, trite, common, overly used phrases and message points. Yeah. Well, and hence their clarity of message, hopefully yielding in something into their bottom line. I'm wondering um, with the iOS and Android app, SmartMouth public speaking toolkit, can you kind of um, unpack that or enumerate the utility of it or what it is for everyone listening? And also when did it come to be in existence with your company? Okay. Um, I would love to unpack it because I think it's probably for, and I do still charge for it. It's $1.99 um, in the Google Play Store and also in the uh, iTunes Store. The app is a combination of uh, lessons, kind of like how there's a how to section, but, and various uh tips and strategies and ideas everything from how you want to organize your thoughts and your content to how to manage your nerves but it's the functionality of the app that really is a standout and believe it or not it was built about seven or eight years ago i mean this is actually an old app um but a couple of highlights of the functionality are that you can go into what's called the speech builder section and using the prompts and drop down buttons, you fill in the blanks, you answer the series of questions and it produces the outline for a presentation. And the outline is based on some proprietary methodology that we've developed at Smart Mouth Communications, and it's how to organize your thoughts and your material in a way that work for people's attention spans and their ability to retain. And which is, I think, something that is <laughs> all too often forgotten by speakers, presenters. They, you know, they're mm -hmm. told what the topic is they're invited into the room they're the subject matter expert and yay they just go about sharing their expertise without really thinking about the audience it could be the 10 millionth time the speaker has gone over this material but it's usually the first time the audience is hearing it and so this idea of really knowing how to shape and present your material in a way that works for the audience is absolutely key. 
And that's the smart mouth methodology. And so this speech builder inside the app, like literally prompts the user to create an outline that they can then email to themselves, they can duplicate it and so that they can adapt it for a different audience. Uh, there are all kinds of functions within that. And the outline just sets them on their way to a great speech or a great presentation. Yeah, it's amazing. I think that there are a lot of, this doesn't get discussed in us. Everyone talks about in communications and app building in particular, how it's burned and dead and gone in two years. However, like good code or good theory, um, evergreen content sticks around. And it sounds like that's what this is because even though the platforms have advanced and things have come out and the new darlings of the platforms, those change daily. Don't get me started on the new trends. Instagram's out, Pinterest is in, like everybody's got these. And within that kind of hyper frenetic community, you still have these evergreen content truths, which is you still need concise, accurate, eloquent speech building and things like that. And so things like this would make sense to stay around. It sounds fascinating too. I can't wait to get on and buy it. But well, <laughs> is a steal. I know it actually sort of is, you know, it's funny because I, so I built it about, I'm going to say it was seven or eight years ago. It came out and I was thinking it would be great. I, I used it with client groups. I had them loaded on their phones and uh, and then eventually I had to build the Google one too. My developers at the time when we first started said to me, oh gosh, no one's gonna, no one uses an Android. Well, <laughs> that's not entirely true. So we right. did build out the Google version. Um, but the interesting thing was I sort of just let it do its thing. You know, I would occasionally recommend it to a client group to buy if they wanted to do their, uh, we do a lot of interactive exercises if they wanted to do it in the app. And then one day about a year, year and a half ago, I realized, oh my gosh, I get money deposited into the SmartMonth account monthly from Apple and Google. This is this thing has legs. This has been years. This has legs. So there have been a variety of um, kind of startups that I've sort of explored whether or not they could use the intellectual property and build it out further. And that's an, that's an exploration I'm still in. Okay. Well, everyone, you heard it here. Beth is exploring acquisition <laughs> of some sort. So, um, you know, allow me to be the matchmaker that facilitates that contact smart mouth communications. If you're looking for that tech, which everybody should be, that's a, such a beautiful addition to anyone in that space in branding, in, um, in personal branding development, or even higher level, you know, corporate branding development, it could be, um, modified towards so many different sectors. And I'm one of the ideas, what started it for me was I thought, you know, in something like Slack or Teams, mm -hmm. they should have a presentation collaboration tool. And this would be the intellectual property for that. So I went to a, a good client of mine that's a very large West Coast venture capital firm. And I said, what do you think? And he said to me, I think you're not even a rounding error and you're better off looking. 
<laughs> for something that's newer starting out that really could use the you know the head start on your intellectual property so wow. how gentle of a touch did he i know i know <laughs> I, I i love honesty though so it was okay i do too there yeah i do too well honesty can be laced with fire or bunnies as my grandmother always said you know it depends on how you want to package it um, I'm wondering the suite of communications and pre presentation skills and the courses that you offer, I'm assuming those are online. And yes. um, I wonder if they were kind of born out of the app because it sounds like it's kind of an extension of that. It's kind of getting into these like courses that drag you through this process, just like it kind of extracts the speech out of you with the app, you know? Um, can you kind yes. of describe the courses a little bit more and the, the things that um, come of it? Yeah, so those I developed in 2016, which now seems like a really long time ago. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind those was to expand on the app and merge in the what I tend to deliver in a training when I'm in the room with a group of people. And it was an idea to scale my ability to reach people and give them the presentation skills training and the tools they needed without people having to put seats in butt, butts in seats, excuse me. Right. And uh, so I used to host the courses on my own, on my website. But to be honest, we found, and with my small staff, we found that we were providing an awful lot of tech support. So we put it on Open Sesame, uh, GoOne.com, which is a fast-growing platform for uh, professional development and personal development courses. And we, <laughs> a few months before the pandemic, we're loading them onto Udemy's business site and they are un they're they're really behind right now in their review and approval process. So we're waiting to get onto Udemy as well. Well, they exploded, you know, as well. I thought I was um like fringe when I was like having my 10-year-old son learn how to program um his first program on Udemy and all of a sudden, I think I heard it like cast upon like at a, at a coffee shop right before the pandemic and was like, what? I'm no longer leading that wave. But um, yeah, it's those platforms. I mean, and Facebook's trying to compete with that. You know, they're really trying to get everyone to host their um, courses and things through there, which is a monopoly unto itself. But there's a lot of um, opportunity out there and different platforms that kind of cater to, I think, different industries and the utility of depending on the the populations you're trying to serve with what you're doing. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, Udemy, I can't wait to find out what you think about that after you, um, if you do the switch over. I'm wondering, it sounds like we're kind of already dodging or slipping into the goals, which is my very next question. Um, what are your goals for Smart Mouth Communications and its apps and all of its services for the next one to three years in taking into consideration the COVID-19 pandemic that swept over the world? Um, have you shifted things for the entire company or just some of the immediate goals? So I would answer that by saying that I am going to gauge that based on what my clients' goals are. So I have a lot of clients in tech uh, and there's a huge tech and very uh, active, successful 
robust tech corridor in Utah that not a lot of people know about. But I have a lot of clients there and a lot of other corporate clients. I have clients on the East Coast as well. And to be honest, Patricia, I feel like it would be arrogant for me to, or presumptuous for me to set goals before I finish sort of surveying them. And I've been talking to, last week I had conversations with two of them. This week I'm going to have another two conversations. And these are with the larger um, clients who consistently, you know, we renew over and over. Um, what I'm hearing from a few people is that there will be an indefinite moratorium on gathering in conference rooms, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So my own thought process is that I'm going to need to go virtual. I love being in a room with people. I love feeding off the energy of the groups and the individuals I meet and talk with, but I think that I'm going to need to shift it to more of a virtual delivery, which is easy to do with one-on-one -on -one clients. Obviously, Zoom is an incredible platform for that. Uh, and I've, you know, it's funny, I've been using Zoom for probably two or three years, and it used to be clients would say to me, well, I have Skype, can't we Skype? And I would say, well, Zoom's better if you just yeah. don't mind getting on Zoom. Yes. <laughs> and Zoom is a household word and a verb and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm looking at different options and different platforms for delivering trainings virtually, live trainings virtually. So we'll see. Yeah. It's challenging, but I'm waiting to hear more from my clients before I decide exactly what the pivot uh, will look like if there is a pivot. Absolutely. Is there any works in the apps? Or are you are you going to just keep that evergreen content as it? Have you ever thought I, about developing another app? No, I'm going to keep that as is for now. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, it works. the The methodology really works for people, and I, you know, I sometimes run into former clients five years later, and they'll say, "Oh my gosh, you have totally changed the way I communicate." in business and you know i'm still using that app and i'm still using your approach and i you know so that's very rewarding and gratifying absolutely it sounds like a like an outline concept that you know stays with one's brain even when they're not using it anymore um i'm wondering i'm going to wrap everything up today with asking about advice and i like this piece most because it should always be changing. And um, given the, the current climate of everything that's going on for everyone, I think it changes a great deal daily. But I'm curious if you, um, the, this podcast was developed for female, female identified non-binary individuals, pretty much everyone other than um, white men. And not because I don't adore everyone on this earth, but because we've done a lot of effort towards that area. So I'm wondering if an individual of, um, a female, female identified or non-binary origin came up to you tomorrow and said, um, listen, Beth, I've had this career um, that took place on the East Coast, Wall Street of communications and things of that nature. I went off, I had a family, I took some time, took a breather, I'm getting ready to launch uh, my company and get my feet wet. Um, and I'm just going to see how it goes. It's you know a re-entry moment for me. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now? That's a good one. I would say that, uh, you know, and 
I don't, I haven't very often talked about the fact that Smart Mouth was my career re-entry strategy after taking time off for motherhood. But I think it's something I should talk about more because I think mm -hmm. a lot of women write themselves off after they've had a long break. And what I did at the time was I just read a lot. I went back to school. I went to the Tuck School at Dartmouth for a post MBA um, certification, which means that it's a mini MBA program based uh, for people who either had an MBA and hadn't used it in a while or had MBA level experience. And that's where I qualified. So then that refreshed my vocabulary and perspective and gave me new ideas and new ways of thinking to help sort of dust off the cobwebs. So I would tell women if they've taken a break or a break has been foisted upon them for family reasons, that you're never out of the game. You can always get back in the game. That's one thing. I think for people who are starting their own business, uh, I had a great piece of advice ac that accidentally came to me when I was talking to an acquaintance when I had first started Smart Mouth and I was telling him what I was doing and I said, and I really, really need to get out there and market it. I know I need to do that. And he said, you know, at the beginning, why don't you just let it happen organically? And until you're really comfortable with what you've got and what you're offering, let it market itself organically. And that's probably the single best piece of advice I got because the business did morph and evolve and it did grow organically. And he was a hundred percent right. I don't think that I would want to market I would not have wanted to market what it was in the very beginning because now it's so much more and it became so much more pretty quickly. Mm. So I think that that rush to market yourself or market what you've got um, can actually be limiting. So, or the organic growth was great. And then finally, I would say remain open learn, be vulnerable, you know, put yourself out there, fall down, learn from it, get back up, try something different. Nobody ever grows, expands, moves forward or succeeds without like multiple failures and embarrassments and cringy moments. And my goodness, I have had my share. Yeah, as have we all. Wow. Um, and they become more fun the older you get. You know, I, I sit around with my female colleagues and ruminate over our failures far more than our successes. Because <laughs> they're funnier. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they humanize us. Yes, yes. Um, so I have, just to recapture, number one, um, you're never out of the game. Um, always get back in. Number two, let it happen organically in the beginning until you've got a solid identity developed. Let the, un, um, the building and the unraveling of it. Number three, uh, remain open, learn. Expansion requires failures.
Absolutely. I love, love those. Yeah, I do too. Those are fantastic. That's, that's got to go in your, um, your immediate um, memoirs. <laughs> that's the first three chapters. <laughs> I love it. From me to you. That's my guess. Um, well, we're out of time today, Beth, but I wanted to say thank you so much for giving us um, all of your time. Everyone is immediately and at once busy and available right now. It's a very odd turn of events, and I really appreciate you giving us your time. Thanks for having me, Patricia. It was fun. I Absolutely. For everyone listening, we've been speaking with Beth Neumer Levine. Uh, she's the founder and principal at Smartmouth Communications. You can find out more again on www.smartmouthcommunications.com. Thank you for giving me your time today. And until we speak again next time, please stay safe and remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.